The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Tonight, I am sitting here with my DM, uh, the the man that runs the campaign of Dungeons and Dragons that I play a orc ranger, and uh, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight, but I'm very excited to do something other than piss him off with my douchebaggery uh, during a D&D campaign. Tonight, we have Jack with us. Yeah, thank you, Big Daddy Mike. Ah, uh, no, we're not, we're not, that's not a, nope, nope, that's not a podcast joke. That's a trivia joke. Okay, then. Actually, it came from a podcast, so. <laughs> there you go, then. Yeah. Uh, tonight, we are talking again about another fantastic 80s sci-fi classic uh, that I'm a deep fan of. I did not realize until I started doing research for this episode that the movie was directed by Nick Castle. Yeah. Who was the original uh, Mike Myers, right? Yeah, he did. A, he did a lot of movies in the yeah. 80s as the, a director. This movie is just filled with troves like that. Just like uh, one of the first really big CGI, like blockbuster uh, tentpole movies. Like the the number of shots that they did for this uh, uh, for the original was far and away beyond anything that had even been attempted by that point. Really? Yeah. Okay. They actually had, um, their their original budget was like almost $2 million less, and they got a budget injection at the last minute so they could do more. Well, if I had known that, I might have gotten a more expensive cast list here. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, tonight we were talking about the 1984 uh, sci-fi adventure movie, The Last Starfighter. Ah, oh, such a good one. If uh, you are unfamiliar with The Last Starfighter, uh, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. Definitely check it out. It's the best timing to be doing this movie for Smack My Pitch Up because let's go over this and think about any, I don't know, maybe Marvel movie coming out in the near future that uh, human mm -hmm. uh, becomes a uh, involved in pilotdom, ends up being taken by aliens out into the, the universe. and to Become a space warrior and defend all of humanity. And then has to to protect humankind and the people that they love on earth uh, with the newfound abilities. Hmm. Uh, I don't, I can't think of anything in the Marvel universe that even comes close to that uh, coming out on May 8th, or March 8th. I can't yeah. think of, uh, yeah. no, I, I came up with this uh, with, with doing this one completely off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel comes out March 8th and, Though it's set in the 90s, uh, the Captain Marvel movie, yeah. this movie, The Starfighter from 1984, was doing those tropes well ahead of time. Now, granted, right. the tropes that we're discussing here, you see in Harry Potter movies. Star Wars. Star Wars. It's, you know, the, the kid that has nothing going for him, feels like kind of a loser, mm -hmm. and then finds out that there's something special 
that allows them to be bigger and better than anybody else in the world. Right. I think one of the things to note about Last Starfighter was that even though the 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 trope of you know he's the chosen one he's gonna he's gonna help save us all uh it was kind of a lot more in the lines of the uh, of the prequel trilogy where it's like yeah he's got this special gift but he's not the only one there's this whole group there's this army of chosen ones that work together and it's just because of the way the movie goes he ends up being the lone guy standing up against evil but the story the 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 lore involved in it said that there was there there may have been thousands of guys who all had this same kind of ability and you know star wars you only really saw obi-wan and luke with it sure and they alluded to there used to be so many more of us but they were long dead before the movie ever started which i think was part of the reason why i dug that original trilogy so hard is because it felt like it was a lived in universe that plenty had happened before there was plenty more to come that you came in in the middle of the story right and that that was such a cool way to approach it um you get a bit of that in the last starfighter as well when when our uh our hero um alex rolls into the starfighter ryland star league i think is what it is yeah and he, he realizes this has been an ongoing thing for a minute. So I love oh, yeah. when you come in kind of midway, you know, a new character. that Yeah. And and you get that set up with the, with the villain and with uh, his family connections to the mm-hmm. leaders of the Rylands. And you, you re- there's this whole drama in this first scene with, uh, in the Star, uh, Starfighter Command that, you know, alludes to this huge saga of events that led up to this. And they're talking about Zurian cults and, you know, the Kodan and like this ancient (laughs) enemy. And, you know, your, your point of view character, Alex is coming into this the same way the audience is. And you're just completely lost. Like what's going on? Somebody explain this all to me. And there's stuff that's never even really paid off in the movie that is discussed, which I, I like when that happens where there's just, yeah, it just builds out the universe, and it doesn't need to have a payoff. Not not everything right. needs to have a payoff. Some, some some stuff is just set dressing. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what we do with this movie because uh, I I just double checked to make sure. Yeah. Another movie that came out in recent years, and by recent years that was probably like ten years ago at this point, mm-hmm. that has a similar concept is Ender's Game. Um, yeah. Which the book didn't come out until 1990, so right. there might have been some inspiration from the Last Starfighter because there's a lot of similarities as far as the. I, I think the interesting one was that just a year later we got Enemy Mine. Oh man, but I love Enemy Mine oh, so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, but you, but you, you still have that same dynamic of the human and the lizard person, and they've got to deal with each other. Yeah. In this isolated situation in space. And then it was redone as uh, one of the best episodes of Star Trek. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> when the walls fell. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what, was the, what was the name of that episode? Uh, Darmok and Jalad? Or, or... Oh, you, uh, that one is Darmok. Uh, I thought you were re- referencing uh, the one with uh, Jordy and the Romulan on Galandan Core. No, but there's that one. There's also in Deep Space Nine, yeah. uh, there's an episode that does the same thing. It, do you think maybe they hit this well one too many times? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that, that's the one too many dips in that well, yeah. possibly. So, uh, yeah, we're talking Last Starfighter, so let's get into it. All right. Uh, the best way that we do this is we talk about the general overview first, mm-hmm. and uh, then we get into our directors. And the directors oftentimes are what we use as kind of a pivot point to kind of give an idea for the tone uh, the yeah. direction that these films are are going for our reboots, remakes, reimaginings. Speaking of, are you doing a 
reboot, remake, reimagining, sequel, sidequel? Um, both of them, uh, both of my versions are sequels, but one is more of a soft reboot and the other one is more of a, of a, an actual faithful sequel. Okay. All right. I'm doing complete reboots on my side. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, for those unfamiliar with how Smack My Pitch Up works, I would suggest going and checking out some of the previous episodes. But also, <laughs> the way this works is that we pitch ideas for the cast and the direction and changes to the story in ways that we think would, in one way, actually work as a reboot, remake, reimagining sequel. And one way that is just kind of a fun take on it, something a little bit different, and may or may not work, oftentimes doesn't. But yeah. it's just kind of a fun play into what would that be like. So to start, what is your plot for your sequel? All right. So the uh, I kind of broke it down into like the more realistic kind of grounded gritty sequel. And then okay. I've got my other one. But okay. uh, the, the sequel one is it, it follows the events of the original movie, but it's obviously many years later. Um, and we're going to be going through this moment again of the human who gets plucked out of Earth to come join into this ongoing space war. Because at the end of the, the original Last Starfighter, they say that the frontier has fallen and the Kodan are still a threat. Zora is still out there. You know, they're, the bad guys are coming. And so we're going to need you, Alex, to come and rebuild the Star, uh, the, the, the star League and the, mm -hmm. fighter, uh, the Starfighter Corps and all that stuff. For those that are maybe trying to remember the original movie is that it was just him and one other... Character. Just, just Grig, just, just Grig. him and Grig. Yeah, you that know. were the only ones that actually made it uh, through to the end. Exactly. So, um, and one of the things that I wanted wanted to point out on on this version is that um, sometimes you 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 have that chosen one, and they miss their opportunity, and they kind of had to spend a long time kind of recovering from the fact that they missed their opportunity. Uh, you saw this one in the Terminator 3 uh, when when John Connors is just running around and he missed his opportunity to be the savior and he's sort of a loser if he's not being the savior. So the human that I want getting recruited, who's kind of an Alex Rogan reboot, um, is going to be a loser. Uh, and he's really good at this this video game, but he he's a loser. Like okay. you get get moments in his life and you get to see him as a person and you're like, wow, I don't want to be him. Sure. It's like he's got good, good wrist action on, on the keyboard there, but, uh, he's, he's a loser. Yeah. And he's got his, his, his partner, uh, the, the, the girl he's, he's with, and she's not exactly, you know, fully motivated either. Sure. Um, but they, they have, they both, uh, play this video game together. They do a co-op play or whatever. And it, uh, Star, uh, Starfighter, the last Starfighter is now a video a big multiplayer video game or whatever, something you play on Xbox. Okay, so you're going like kind of, well, without going from board game to video game, a Jumanji kind of approach yeah. to this. Yeah, well, uh, in the original one, it was, it was a, it was a video game booth, you know, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta evolve. If, uh, sure. Centauri's still using his same old tricks, he's gonna be, you know, trying to hit the home, that home market. Um, so... They they're playing their game on like an Xbox or a PlayStation or whatever, and they they get approached by the uh, by Centauri. It's the same Centauri, but he's got a new face because he's been regenerating and he keeps coming back. Uh, and he he pulls them into uh, into the ongoing war. And instead of getting a briefing from the Rylan you know leader, they get in a briefing from the original Alex Rogan. Okay, I like it. Like he's spent his time up in the stars and he's rebuilt the, st uh, the the league and everything. And he's kind of remembered as being this great hero. So yeah, of course he becomes leadership. Um, 
but the gun stars have also been evolving like the the ships are getting better and better and better and they're getting better control systems and uh ways for the uh the starfighters to really use their gifts in better ways so they start getting these like direct brain interaction uh control modules okay all right and whereas they make the 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 starfighters really good at it they it's this dangerous side effect that it eventually causes brain damage and to the point where they can't do it anymore and that's why alex isn't in the in the ship anymore he's not flying a gunstar because he has flown the new gunstar so much that he can't fly anymore without risking permanent damage that's or, got a little nuance of like pacific rim in there where you do it too many times and uh it ends up kind of yeah up a yeah bit. i was yeah. i was actually thinking of an episode from stargate but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um these are all tropes i mean oh all yeah this stuff it's all all before. of it has been done yeah. before it's about like how you use it though. yeah exactly uh and i wanted to come to a point where uh the the two humans are you know start flying in the ships and they get matched up with their um their navigators and uh in the first movie you had what what were called manzars they're, they're like the squid people i want one for each of the humans uh, as their okay as their uh, uh navigators because they're i familiars yeah well i like <laughs> i liked i like having the human alien dynamic sure and absolutely. i think the manzars being the like the natural warriors i didn't think they got enough screen time okay so i kind of want to see them back at oh yeah um, and I want it, I want it like, like Rick Baker level prosthetics for them too. I want somebody to be re really able to emote through like tentacle face. Sure. Right. So, uh, that, that's their co-pilots. And then, you know, you get one good dog fight scene and then you get, uh, uh, time at back at the base and then you, uh, you know, either sabotage or sneak attack kind of like in the first movie that destroys a lot of the newer gun stars. So the, you're left with a lot less pilots and you've got some of these newer gun stars, but you realize that keeping using them in a, in a war where you're outnumbered, you're eventually going to use up all of your good pilots. Sure. So what happens is Alex uh, turns the, the two humans, the two specials onto old school gun stars that are still manual controlled. Like they were learning the new advanced ones, but they weren't really weren't jiving with it. But he puts them into an old school gun star where it's manual controls and suddenly they're rock stars. Nice. Okay. All right. And uh, the big thing that I want, though, is like the in the last battle, they're hopelessly outnumbered. They've got maybe three or four of these old school gun stars. And you, you've got to know a few of the other, you know, starfighter pilots. Sure. But it turns out that all this time you've been following this Alex Rogan dude. Uh, and it turns out that his girlfriend, the one that you you kind of didn't notice at the first, turns out to be the really special one. She's the rock star. And in the third act, she's the one who saves the day. Hell yeah. Nice little turn there. Yeah. The yeah. I like that. Uh, and it kind of ends in the same, same fashion. It's like, all right, we won this big decisive battle, but there's still another one out there for us. But it leaves instead of just the one starfighter, you've got a crew of them, like a, a flight wing. Okay. And I, I want the, the story to kind of evolve mostly around, you know, your breeding pair, your, your male human, male female, uh, female human. Um, but I want like at least five pilots and their co-pilots. Sure. You know, um, I think I misspoke when I said a reboot. I mean, it is, it is a reboot. Yeah. But it's set up in a way that you could almost say that the events in the original one did happen. Mm -hmm. It's just all the characters from the original ones are the ones I'm using in this reboot. So it's right. not, it's not like, you know, they cloned everybody as younger characters and they're reenacting what happened. You know, yeah. I'm doing a modern take on it, mm -hmm. but in a way that 
the events in the original could have happened with characters of different names, you know, uh, right. It could have definitely, um, the way I'm going about it is that there's a like kind of novelty barcade type place. Okay. That Alex works at. Okay. And he, he works as like a busboy type of character and stuff. So like there's this starfighter game. That's one of the games in there that no one's ever beaten. Oh, it's oh thing. um, goodwill hunting kind of stuff. He's the janitor, but he's he's the he's the guy who's actually doing all the good stuff. Yeah, that he also kind of is partly takes care of fixing the machines and everything like that too. Yeah. He's got a natural proclivity for fixing stuff, so he's being way overutilized for the amount of money that they're paying him. Right, and you know you have that natural like really smart kid that's McJobbing the situation to be around things that he actually genuinely likes. So yeah. like after hours, he's playing this game before he goes home because he's got not the greatest home life. And, you know, he's got this girl that he's really into that, like, kind of into him, too. And and they, they're they kind of seeing each other, but it's not really, like, solidified yeah, for sure. You know, and he has a lot of mixed feelings about that because he has a bad um, self-identity yeah. about himself. You know, the, the standard trope. No, you're, I, I think you're really hitting the, the character points from the original Alex there. Yeah. Like, that works. I love it. Now, the difference is, is that because this is an old old school console mm-hmm. in a modern day arcade, when they sent these things out, that was like 30 fucking years ago. Right. So, the way that I want the, uh, the Ryland Star League to be is that they lost. Okay. The war for all intents and purposes is done. Like okay. there are little factions kind of basically surviving mm-hmm. out in, in the frontier uh, while things are being taken over when one night, um, and I don't want it to be where everybody sees him and cheers him on as he wins. I want yeah. it to be like after the bar closes and he's cleaning up and he's left to like lock up and everything and he's there by himself. Um, nice. Uh, when and he's like kind of mad that nobody got to see it because this is a thing that he's been working on forever. Mm-hmm. When he wins, and uh, and at that point you see just kind of like on a almost hothy type planet that just this little red blinker light starts going off. <laughs> as, I love it. Yeah, and it's just kind of like oh fuck. Well, let's go check it out. And so they end up coming to Earth to find this person that after thirty fucking years of this machine, there's so few left. Right out in the universes that uh that it's it's almost kind of that Jedi approach where it's like you know it's a long long lost war mm-hmm. and there's a new new game in town kind of approach. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they come in and get him, and he of course doesn't believe it. And the sh- ships are super retro. Yeah. Um, and so that you can play into that kind of Battlestar Galactica kind of approach where the old ships oh, are the ones. You know, you can get that retro feel, but it's explained. Yeah. Where they haven't had the... Uh, the resources. The resources to really get any new ships or anything. So it's these old retro ships that they're working with. And mm-hmm. it's also this very underdoggy kind of approach where it's not this big league so much. It's just like... We're scrapping at it, man. Scrapping at it. Just trying to get along. And they they take him uh, up in into the, the into the frontier. Uh-huh. And he meets all, all the folks. And basically because of this new fighter this new you know great white hope <laughs> into for lack of a better term uh that's all it was in the 80s yeah was, yeah um true that they uh they they kind of meet up on a planet and they kind mm-hmm. of introduce each other and talk about you know what happened uh between the wars with uh the the Kodan empire yeah and 
and basically set him up for like, no, <laughs> like you guys lost. I don't want any part of this. Yeah. And so that kind of goes into the ebbs and flows of the original story where he goes back and he's like, no, nah. yeah, denial of the call. And you know, of course the, the signal is, is caught by the Kodan empire and they go to find fi- him, find him. Yeah. Uh, and basically initially to recruit him that find out that he's already been kind of scooped up. Yeah. And so now he's a threat. Right. And so they go after the family, the same kind of beats as yeah. the original movie, except that instead of the entire Legion being destroyed, they're building up um, uh, support from the surrounding planets and, and, and galaxies and stuff as mm-hmm. they're kind of building up the rebellion kind of thing going up against the now ruling Kodan Empire. Right. I so, like it. Yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of my approach. Uh, you can tell that I am a Star Wars kid. Cause, oh no, it's, <laughs> it works. Yeah. So, it, it really does work because the original movie kind of was riding that wave. It sure was. I mean, it was 84, so it was like right after, right after uh, Jedi. Jedi came yeah. out. So yeah, uh, so it's a lot to steal um, yeah. even more from Star Wars. I mean, Wars. I think a lot of it was they saw that market niche and they wanted to like be the next Star Wars. And it was ambitious. It was really ambitious. They, they, the, the, the graphics alone, they, uh, if you watch some of the do- documentaries about it, they, they actually had to scale back the level of detail they were working on. Like the final movie is actually less perfect than the draft version Damn. because they they didn't have enough computing power in the in the entire country to be able to render the images in time for summer release Shit. that's why the movie looks the way it does i don't know if you knew this when you suggested this is the movie to do but mm-hmm. in may of last year we actually screened this movie on the big wall at the circuit i did not know in that. uh in in richmond and we had a an okay turnout it was it right. was kind of an off the cuff let's try it out and see if it works everybody that came out there were some people that had seen the movie and absolutely loved it there were some mm-hmm. people that had never seen it that were like uh, amused by the retro yeah nature of the movie but overall everybody seemed to have a really good time it's that score man it's that a great fanfare. score that yeah. fanfare is so great absolutely so now that we have kind of it fleshed out on what yeah. we're doing, let's get into the cast list a little bit, leading with the uh, directors. All right. Um, well, for mine, I wanted to go with Gareth Edwards. Nice. I I thought about him for a second. Yeah. Well, I I think of this one would be more of like what Rogue One should have been, which is a dogfight movie. Okay. All of the Rogue One material, if you've if you've read the expanded universe from Star Wars, is about fighter pilots and about dogfighting. It's not about espionage. So I think like the last Starfighter was kind of a movie he would have wanted uh, he wanted to make when they offered him Rogue One, um, because you can see it because uh, a lot of the guys who did Rogue One have been the ones teasing about doing his last Starfighter sequel. Sure. Yeah. Uh, who was it? It was um, Gary Whitta uh, was teasing about doing a, a script for a Starfighter sequel back uh, back last year, and he he was on Rogue One after Earth Book of Eli. So I think a lot of those guys would be on board. Be able for to doing jump this. on board, no problem. Oh yeah, hell yeah. My uh, serious is I'm dipping from a very different pool of Star Wars uh, right. from from yours. Uh, I decided to go with Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who were the directors that were kicked off the of Solo. Uh, I would have actually, uh, I, I probably would have been a lot more interested in watching Solo if they would have been stuck onto it. Here's the thing: they got a bad rep for making it like too silly. As did, a did uh, they. Did, did nobody see the original trilogy? Yeah, well, that's the thing is that the original trilogy is goofy, and maybe they try to make it too slapstick. We're, we're never going to know because yeah, we aren't going to be able true to enough. see their cut. 
but they're also known for the the Lego movies as well, which are great. Absolutely a blast. You you never knew you could feel so much for just a, such a tiny hunk of plastic. And I think this movie especially, there's so many opportunities for like retro pop culture references in the Absolutely. version that I'm doing that they would shine in this movie as being able to make it kind of campy, kind of uh, like nouveau retro, I yeah. guess. In- I think you're hitting a lot more on the original feeling for the film, yeah. which should be lighthearted adventure. Uh, and that's deeply kind of what I want it to be is that it should be a little bit silly and it should yeah. be a lot of fun. And they're good. There are going to be really important nuanced moments that I even considered the idea of Spielberg doing this to see what his version would look like, but it was just too grandiose for, for the version of the picture that I wanted to make. And I feel yes. like these guys would have a lot more fun with the characters as opposed to the universe, you know? Right. I think that was more important to really get these characters as being the focus as opposed to building this entire. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that the original uh, movie hit, right? They, they didn't need the entire universe to be no perfect. They just yeah. needed the story that they were telling to be good. Yeah. And that's, so that's kind of why I settled with uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Right. Now, uh, who do you have for your funny director? Oh, uh, well, I, I didn't even talk like i've got a completely different plot for my funny version <laughs> okay well then you want to shoot down our our serious list and yeah. then we can jump to our funnies yeah that okay. works cool um so i've got my i've got my cast for for my more serious version and i'm just going to refer to them by what role they're filling from the original movie because i didn't come up with names for these okay they're, no fair um so my alex rogan like reboot uh i wanted to be played by a- uh aaron taylor johnson Oh, is that uh, Quicksilver? Quicksilver, yeah. yeah. And he was in Godzilla. Yeah. So he's already worked with that with, director. Exactly. And he's a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. He's great. I think uh, uh, too many people kind of give him, give I mean, him shit. He was kick ass. He well. was kick ass. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the reasons I liked him was because he can still pull off nerd. Oh, deeply. But if he wants to, he can bulk up and be hero mode too. Okay. And that's what uh, what the trick is. Like, uh, uh, you're following this character, and it's like obvious nerd who can, like, get, uh, get a girl and. But if he wanted to, he could get buff and like athletic and all that stuff. Sure. And then like last second, you realize, oh, wait, he's the sidekick. So okay. I, th- I think Aaron Taylor Johnson could pull that off. I think he's got the chops for it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've got his co-pilot who's, you know, this version of Grig as a squid monster. Uh, I really couldn't decide on this one. I couldn't figure which way I wanted to go with it. Uh, either Jeffrey Combs or Ron Perlman. Ooh, that is a tough call because very different portrayals. Very different. I mean, they're not you're, they're not doing the same stuff, but Yeah, you're going to get you're going to get a very different character depending on which one you cast, but either version would be amazing to watch because both of them are really good at working with in prosthetics. Sure. They are, you know, wonderful character actors who can convey a lot in just their voice. They don't even need their whole face. So, uh, then I uh, I wanted to bring Zor back. I wanted Zor to still be the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he st- uh, and just like the original, he doesn't necessarily have to come face to face with the hero. But I wanted to like as sort of throwback. I I would I would like to be able to get Norman Snow to come back and play the role again. Uh, but uh, everything I see on IMDb, uh, he's not doing a lot of working anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, so I figured if I can't get you know him to come out of semi-retirement i'd settle for somebody who at least sounded a lot like him <laughs> okay um which is i think michael york michael york uh fuck 
Basil from uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, yeah. They, it's very similar sounding voice. Okay. Um, okay. Even though my, uh, Norman Snow is New Englander and, you know, Michael York is Old England. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's a, enough of a commonality enough there. Of that, that, yeah. yeah. And once you slap some makeup and some prosthetics on it, nobody would be able to see the difference. Yeah, true. Um, so Centauri, uh, unfortunately played by the late Robert Pe- uh, Preston, um, for this one, you know, it's going to be, it's still Centauri, but he's just gone through so many regenerations. He, it's like Doctor Who. His face has changed. He doesn't look the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking somebody who could still be silly, like the same way Robert Prince, Preston did, but if he turned on the serious, you felt it. So I was thinking uh, David Keith. David Keith. No, Keith David. Keith David. Sorry. Okay, Keith, Keith David. David. I'm yes. sorry. Flip that around in like my David head. David Keith. I don't know who Keith, that is, but Keith, Keith David. David would be a good choice. Keith, Keith David, because... Okay. He's, uh, if you, uh, a lot of his great roles is when he can turn that silly and then just immediately snap into turn that serious. hard serious, yeah. Yeah, uh, in, um, he was in, the, in that TV show about the army, I think it was called Stripes, or was it? Well, Stripes was the Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, there, there was a, there was uh, a John sit, Candy. There was a sitcom he was in for, a, uh, like, it lasted, like, two seasons, and it was about people, in, uh, the, these three brothers in the army, and, uh, uh yeah i don't know if, if I'll, I'll figure out the name later i'll shoot it to you but keith okay. david's in there and he is amazing because he's their first sergeant and he flips from you know that serious to comedy in this this really he also has the ability to do the like i'm joking with you i'm having a good time but there's this like i don't i am not gonna laugh with you because i'm pretty sure you're about to murder me yes kind of tone absolutely which i appreciate yeah that's like his his Actually, probably what he's best known for is the like laughing, like I'm going to murder you. <laughs> yes, he's got a great laugh too. Oh, absolutely. Um, so uh, then continuing down my list, I've got the the reboot version or sequel version of Maggie, who was the girlfriend in the original movie. Uh, I wanted somebody who could uh kind of play that sardonic sort of comedy. Okay. Uh, so I went with Zoe Kravitz. Uh, okay. Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, she was Cheeto the Knowing, the the only brown wife. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Oh, she is so adorable. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh, my goodness. And I could see her, you know, lounging around on a, uh, on a couch with, you know, the boyfriend playing okay. video games. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. could also see her being, you know, oh, it's time to to pull my boots on and go kick some ass. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Um, And this is a character that I've kind of invented for this because I wanted to have both of them to have their their navigator. And Alex has Grig, so Maggie's going to have Grig Et, um, who, you know, it's going to be a very similar kind of attitude, you know, you know, warrior race and all sure. that. I was thinking Rosie Perez. I love Rosie Perez so much. Oh, yeah. She's fucking fantastic. She she has the ability to be both, like, mean as fuck, mm-hmm. but you're still kind of turned on by her. Oh, absolutely. Mean I mean, fuck. that might say a lot more about, like, my proclivities. Yeah, well, um, fair. Um, but I, I also wanted it to be written in that Grig and Grigette are like brother and sister. So, okay. so whereas Alex and Maggie are, are, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, you've got their, their co-pilots are siblings, siblings okay. who will tear each other apart anytime they're in a room together. Okay. Like, like maybe, maybe punching, but I'm thinking more like, like riffing on each other, ripping on each other really hard about like, oh, you're an underperforming, you know, navigator, or you don't know how to, how to operate a gun star, that kind of thing. I want them to be mean to eat one another. 
I'm, I'm just and like that them, sibling like, kind in of the way. background as there's this like really loving moment uh, yes. uh, between the couple as they're like talking about, you know, what this means to their relationship and, you know, this really poignant moment that is really majorly part of the plot for them as a couple in the background. They're beating the shit out of each other. I'm seeing Rosie Perez in full on squid makeup, throwing a chair at Ron Perlman's head and I cannot help but laugh. For that scene alone, I want this movie to happen. <laughs> And, you know, and as more of a supporting role, because he's only probably going to be in there for a couple of scenes, the original Alex Rogan played by Lance Guest. Okay. The the original actor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I And I love doing those callbacks like that. Oh, absolutely. I actually don't have any of those on my list for yeah. this episode, but I've done that countless times where yeah. I had uh, Judd Nelson play the janitor in the Breakfast Club reboot. Which would be perfect. It would be perfect. <laughs> and that was one of those also kind of how this is not really a, a remake. Yeah. But it's that whole, like, if it's a modern Breakfast Club, you could be like, that could have been the same character from the original Breakfast Club exactly. that is now as the janitor right. kind of thing. That's kind of that just little little kiss to the original. This little, little something, something. So is that your uh, cast list? That's that's my cast list. Okay. So I'm going to go over my cast list as well. I really like that list, by the way. I like oh, that you. there's a, a, enough play into the original while still building it out as being a sequel. Yeah, it's doing its own thing at the same time. So I appreciate that. Uh, mine is definitely more of a reboot than a sequel. Right. Uh, and of course, modern times, Christopher Miller and uh, and uh, Phil Lord are the directors. Right. So we're going to have fun with this casting. That's the main thing. But also right. characters that are going to be able to show like fear and excitement and anger and like actually emote yeah. as actors, you know, not just straight comedy. The entire it, would, time. it would be great to have range. <laughs> I, there's an actor that I talk often about on smack my pitch up and geeks under the influence, but it's been a r r super long running joke mm -hmm. on geeks under the influence that oftentimes I'll shoehorn him into roles that he doesn't belong in. Okay. Uh, but this role I think is actually kind of perfect for this actor that he can play super goofy but in a starfighter, you know, gunship kind of role, he'd be able to play the badass as well. Okay. And so for Alex Rogan, for my Christopher Miller and Phil Lord uh, vehicle is one Jay Baruchel. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do use him a uh, lot. A lot. In, yeah. If if you were running Hollywood, Jay Baruchel would be like the number one actor of the Jay box Baruchel office. Jay Baruchel would be the Rock. <laughs> like he would be. He would be coming out in that new Fast and the Furious uh, picture as the badass. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I definitely no, but him. I I I can see that working. Yeah. Like you need to have somebody who is you know still able to project confidence, but can still be vulnerable and still be somebody who is a fish out of water. And I think that works. He's played these roles before of just kind of the awkward dork that doesn't really know how to deal with girls and doesn't really know how to deal with people. And then once his confidence level gets to a certain point and mm -hmm. gets comfortable with it, like. Uh, as much as it's not a great movie, uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, <laughs> where he he's being taught how to do magic by Nicolas Cage. That should sell you on a movie right there, is that anyone is being taught magic by Nicolas Cage. I mean, can I just have Nicolas Cage be, play Merlin in a movie? I think that would be amazing. Oh, my God. It, uh, he probably already has, uh, yeah. but it was like an Eastern European picture <laughs> that we just haven't gotten in the States yet. As long as it's not a Serbian film. Oh, God. No, it's the sequel to Season of the Witch, that movie that he did, um, that is not oh, the gross. George Romero uh, wasn't movie. that also Ron Perlman? 
I don't remember. I just remember that there was one moment in that film where literally a human you could hear in the background going, oh, woo, as it was. <laughs> oh, they couldn't even Lord. get a wolf sound effect. It was real bad. Yep. Yeah. Though I would thoroughly suggest checking out Mandy, a new uh, Nicolas Cage movie. That movie is oh yeah, balls to the walls bonkers. Amazing. Yeah. So Jay Baruchel, I think, actually would be a pretty good casting. Definitely. For this. The next one up is uh, Grig, his, his buddy. Yep. The other pilot. Um, who's going to be in heavy makeup. So I wanted somebody that who's, uh, you didn't need to have a really big name actor to play this role, but right. I wanted somebody that was kind of up and coming and would kind of come off almost as a peer, but a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody that could really act with, you know, having used prosthetics and act with the whole body. And I've just recently watched the uh, Doom Patrol series. Right. And the actor that portrays Cyborg, and that Jovian Wade, I thought would be a good casting for it. It's around this um, close enough to the same age as Jay Baruchel that they could yeah. be kind of almost peers, right? Scene, but it you play the straight man versus the goofy, you know that that classic role. Yeah. I feel like I really in the Phil Lord, uh, Christopher Miller version. Yeah, it would be important to really carry it through. Then there's Lewis, the brother. Yeah, and. I cheated on this one. I try to not do this very often on episodes. Mm-hmm. I took a Stranger Things kid. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is a little bit older than I was no- initially aiming for, for the brother. Right. But I just, I, I mean, sorry, I don't pay attention to children actors. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that that one's a little harder to, yeah. to cast somebody for. Um, I, I decided to go with Noah Shap, who plays Will. Yeah. In Stranger Things. He's the most child looking of them. And Definitely. also could play the like wonderment of the situation kind of relatively well. Yeah. I think, I think Lewis, uh, uh, at least in the original movie was the rambunctious one. So, you know, yeah, well, he could play rambunctious. Too. I'm sure he could also like face facial feature wise. Um, he's got kind of a, he's uh, got a youthful. He's, well, he's got a bit, a bit of a nose. Yeah. So he could, he could do sibling to Jay Baruchel. Okay. This is the fun one. Centauri. Oh, you gotta do good on Centauri. I went, real weird on this one but it's a character that he's he's an old he, old-ish actor now and not right. much oldish i mean probably in his 50s like not terribly old but i really think he is underappreciated for his versatility as an actor he's a very physical actor at some points mm-hmm. he can play very nuanced in others and hasn't done a whole lot in film in recent years i would love to see what tony shalhoub would do with centauri oh goodness yes yeah he's he's Deeply underappreciated as an actor, I think. And I, I think the the movie that I actually got really excited about seeing with him uh, originally, like before I really under uh, started looking for his stuff, was Thirteen Ghosts. He was great in that movie, even though so the movie good. was the, that movie was trash, like but, wonderfully terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's also in the marvelous Ms. Maisel, mm-hmm. which, if you haven't seen it, uh, listener, it is absolutely fantastic. And he plays this neurotic Jewish father that is a professor. Huh. Tony Shalou playing somebody who's neurotic. I wonder if he's yeah, being typed. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's ever played a role like that before. That's uh, kind of a hard, hard pull there. Yeah. But I wanted uh, somebody that could definitely be left alone with the character to decide how they're going to play it and right. make it their own. Absolutely. Know, with a little bit of nuance to the original, but still kind of create their own version of the character. I think Tony Shalhoub has all the, the skills necessary yeah, to do that. He could that. own that. Oh, absolutely. Own that. He can knock that out of the park. Uh, next one up is Zer, 
I did cast a Zer. Gotta. And I decided to go with fucking Creeptown USA as a Zer on this one and that I think could play the angry son relatively well. Uh, one that feels like they're, you know, being like underappreciated and they're, they're going to show them mm-hmm. uh, the creepiest man in Hollywood, Crispin Glover. <sighs> Ooh, that's a rough cast. Yeah, that's a, Ooh, yeah, boy. He's a lot. Yeah. He's a whole lot. Yeah, that's a lot of extra on that one. Yeah. I uh, showed a number of people. I think it was at a D&D night. Yes. Yes, you did. There is a music video that Crispin Glover came out with called Clowns, where he sings about a clown that follows him around. And it is so utterly is, bizarre and off-putting. It is the creepiest thing I have ever seen attached to that man. It is deeply upsetting. Yeah. So go watch it immediately. <laughs> a little bit of personal horror. Everyone loves that. Yeah, I do not. I'm not a fan of clowns. And, uh, <laughs> and Crispin Glover creeps me out as well. So the combination of the two together is like the dick tip touching of creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I figure Zer, instead of him being intimidating, just coming off as this like Creep shitty monster. child, like creepy kind of jp from uh grandma's boy meets uh malfoy from harry potter that kind of oh i don't think that even i don't i i think <laughs> i think cre- the the amount of creep you're talking about there crispin glover has has surpassed at a factor of 10 yeah so he's gonna be just phoning it in have, and still... have you seen him in american gods like your skin will crawl yeah uh, or have i seen him in literally anything he's done yeah not so much Back to the Future. Back to the Future is pretty much everything yeah. after Back to the Future. He was just awkward in Back to the Future. He was creepy in literally everything else. Like uh, it, Willard. Willard. <laughs> I love Willard. Willard's so good. Uh, the next one, I kind of went deep pull on this one. Maggie, the girlfriend. Yeah. I wanted a girl that seemed... I wanted the girlfriend to be someone that's like really intelligent, mm-hmm. that has a lot of opportunity outside of the small town, I mean, the barcade and everything. You yeah, know, that, yeah that has a future set for herself. Right. Um, that also kind of undercuts the boyfriend the whole time where he feels like he's a bigger loser for not being good enough for the girl kind of thing. All right. You know, that's the yeah. trope. She's smart, but she's neurotic as well. You got okay. like the overachiever kind of personality um, on, on the girlfriend. And uh, I went with Zosia Mamet. And if you're not familiar with her, she played us, uh, uh, Shoshana on Girls, uh, which if you haven't seen Girls, uh, it, it, she was like the neurotic girl that like hadn't had sex before. Okay, I know who you're talking yeah. about. And yeah, she's got a very, very specific face. Like yeah. she, um, it's very pretty. Like she's a very pretty right. woman, but she's got a very... She projects very well. She projects very well. She kind of has almost like a, a little bit of an Anna Kendrick thing going for her, but not quite. It's like, it's more of a slightly self-aware of her Anna Kendrickness as opposed to, you know, where she's yeah. kind of almost embarrassed by it kind of, <laughs> kind of approach. I think, uh, I think it would be fun to see her kind of really fill out that role because the girlfriend doesn't do a lot in the original. No. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to do with my rewrites was to really bring that character forward and give her more to do. There's also a really like, it doesn't go there, but it sets up the possibility of like straight up, rape in the first one with the beta Alex. Oh, yeah. Where if he's pretending to be Alex and they like they're 
like make they're making out and they're like it's not oh she was ready to get it on she was ready to fuck that dude uh that not alex and yeah that's not okay yeah at all so damn gland games i think that's part of the reason why i cast this actress is i think that there'd be some nuance to the character where she Mm -hmm. would kind of show a look of almost catching on a buildup of catching on throughout the time that would prevent it from being this like the original where there's making out happening and fucking about to go on that you make it more. There's something about the eighties where, where rape or almost rape was just so fucking common. Oh, like revenge of the nerds is the one that everybody goes to that got released the same year. So yeah, it's (laughs) totally, it's an (laughs) eighties thing. Let's like spy on women while they're showering and Mm -hmm. meatballs. And you know, like it's a common trope in eighties movies where there's like, Surprise, it's, it's not the dick you thought it was. It's like and that's it's like that that's sexual assault. Yeah, that's not that's <laughs> no Ooh, that's boy. Not, yeah, let's not uh let's not really approach it the same way. Yeah. Let's go around. So I figured with Shoshana being a little bit more neurotic, it would be mm-hmm. more her not wanting to be cold to her boyfriend, but on the same end being like, Yeah, but something's weird. Something's off. Like, yeah, and then just not really getting in not getting down with it. Not right. really into it. So that was my my thought there. For uh Endurian the leader. Yeah. Uh, you need a very well-spoken, like older, like, like patriarchal. Yeah. Somebody with presence. And I couldn't think of somebody with more presence than Ian McKellen. Oh, wow. That would be great. Yeah. And it's kind of a reversal. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, Ian McKellen, he's got such gravitas as an actor. Oh yeah. Um, that I, I thought him being kind of almost a stoic version of the character that, um, Crispin Glover is obviously not being. Yeah, kind of the the he's got the kind of Odin esque kind of approach to the character. Yeah. This this very learned. The best way I could put it is when I saw Leonard Cohen in concert years ago, where mm-hmm. he had that very measured way of speaking, where he was like an old dude that probably should be rushing because there's not much time left, <laughs> but just had no real, uh, no real like rush to get the words out it was yeah. it was very very almost rhythmic and almost musical in its delivery and and it from that came a real like energy and and personality just boomed out of him oh absolutely and ian mckellen can definitely play that i want this to be an mm. almost mythical type of version of this i character. mean if you're gonna if you're gonna grab a shakespearean actor to play a big wig leader type yeah I think Ian McKellen's a solid he choice. He could probably do relatively well. So, uh, so that that's my uh, cast list mm-hmm. for this one. So uh, we've got the funnies now. All right, which we don't have to spend as much time really digging into the uh, the nuances of the characters. Uh, it's for mine anyway. Yeah. So um, let's go down your cast list. Well, um, and the the point uh, on this one I want to make that uh, is in the 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 more lighthearted, funny version uh, that I'm doing is uh, a lot more about like that video game aspect of it, right? Um, okay. It's a lot more focus on, well, he got trained to do this by playing a video game. Sure. And so I wanted the, the, the original Starfighter box to be the tool. And, he, uh, and that, that uh, um, our Alex Rogan double, it comes upon it by being introduced to a broken version of the game. And he slowly figures out how to play it 
uh, and he gets better at it and eventually beats it. But then it, you find out that the one who introduced him to it was actually Al, uh, Alex's little brother, Lewis. Okay. So it's important to, to note that this, this is all this, this, this version of it is very video game centric. Okay. So with that in mind, I figured my director for the funnier version would be Edgar Wright. Edgar. Oh, Edgar. I love him. Yeah. And as far as video game centric goes, I mean, he's done it. So. Yes, absolutely. And he did it perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Like, and he got the sense of a video game without having to reference a specific video game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's really what's important. Uh, so I want like the visuals and the focus on this to show like those moments where Alex is figuring out the controls of the Gunstar to like really show the video game being played in his head. Sure. Uh, so for, uh, actually playing Alex, I wanted somebody who, uh, again, that, that somebody who can convey emotionality, but still can appear to be such a nerd or terrible with the ladies and all that. So I went with a uh, Shamik Moore from, uh, the get down and dope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's kind of gangly, but you know, you can still see that if this guy put his mind to it, he could, he could accomplish he a could, lot. Like kick ass and take names. Yeah. Um, and instead of having a Grig, uh, an, an, an alien, uh, I wanted this version of the Star League to be a little down on their luck. Uh, they're not going, doing so well with the Kodan, uh, and you know, they're, they're down to the last few gun stars and all this. So they don't have a lot of good talent. So sure. instead of having an actual proper, uh, navigator, he's got a beta unit. Oh, wow. It's not necessarily his beta unit. But just a beta, a unit. beta unit that has that has survived its mission and it's just getting plopped into this role as a navigator. Okay, that made me think of a mashup that we will get into when we get to right. mashups. But oh fuck, I'm super excited about yeah. this mashup now. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, for for the beta Grig or beta pilot, um, I wanted to use to uh, Toby Cobell. Uh, Cabell. Uh, he played Koba in uh, uh, the 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 Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played Kong. He he did the motion capture for Kong in the in the King Kong. So he's the understudy that's trying to get on the throne of motion capture. Yeah. Well, he's really good at it too. Yeah. Uh, his work is really up there. He's got a lot of credit uh, to him okay. from his abilities there. But he was also in the 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 horrible Fantastic Four movie that shall not be spoken of. Uh, playing Doctor Doom. Oh no! Yeah, it's the same guy. But you know what, mocap. You, you, sometimes you're gonna play bad roles, like, yeah. and it's nothing to do. Well, with he your played abilities. he played the character out of the uh, out of the mocap too, before he got oh, mutated. Okay, it's the same actor. Okay, yeah. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Now. But again, this is another point of like, I want I want somebody who can play through the technology or the prosthetics. Sure. And I think Cabell uh, is not only a compelling actor on his own, but is also somebody who can work with uh, extringent like uh, tools. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and in this version, uh, I've got a version of Zur, but it's not Zur himself. It's like somebody down the line. I wanted somebody who was charismatic enough that you could believe this guy has recruited people to work for him, who's who con conveys that he's conniving enough to catch spies without, being, uh, without giving away the game. And I think the original Zor, for all of his like bombast, didn't really convey that. Okay. So for the for my version of the more lighthearted version of uh, the Starfighter, uh, it would be Bruce Campbell. Yes. Well done. Yeah. Well fucking done. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm on board. <laughs> and uh, then I've got my um, my 
I mean, Bruce Campbell is one of those people that when he shows up on a screen. The problem is he steals so many, like every scene that he's in. So Right. But this is in one of those moments where it's a movie where the bad guy and the good guy are never sharing a room. That's true. So go ahead, Bruce Campbell. Eat up all the scenery you want. Here's a knife and fork. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. And do whatever the hell you want. Like, throw people around. Toss somebody through the wall. I don't care. It's your Bruce Campbell. I was really mad that there was not a cameo when in one of the Men in Black movies, they there was an alien race called the Balchinians. And if they just used Bruce Campbell for just, that cameo, Just showed up. For a second. Like, he wouldn't even have to wear prosthetics. No, <laughs> no. It would have been fucking fantastic. And they missed the opportunity. Oh, yeah. It's really upset. Swing and a miss. Um... So moving down the list, uh, you've got your Centauri uh, uh, analog. And I didn't want this one to be Centauri. I wanted it to be somebody else. So, you know, Delphini, another constellation out in the stars. Um, And I wanted somebody who could still be warm and still project like comedy, but also still be serious. Uh, I wanted somebody who was really familiar face because that's what Robert Preston was actually originally cast for. He was supposed to be their version of Alec Guinness. Okay. That recognizable actor who's there sure. to lend it clout. Um, I went with Ernie Hudson. I love the Ernie Hudson. He's also, I will say, uh, there's been a number of comms I've been to that he's been appeared at. Yeah. And he's always the sweetest dude to his fans. Uh, he's yeah. no problem dressing up in Ghostbuster costumes and taking pictures with. Like he... He knows where his money's coming from. Me, me personally, I would want him to sign a, a version of Congo. Oh God, his accent is so fucking terrible. It that? is perfect. It's not as bad as uh, as the the fucking Russian accent or what's uh, Tim Curry doing in that or Romanian? Yeah, Romanian. Yeah. Oh God, so bad. No, I would get him to sign another uh, Bruce Campbell movie. I would. I yeah, that's true. He was in like fourteen seconds of that movie. Mm-hmm. I'd get him to sign a copy of The Crow. Oh, as but the, he was great. He, in Oz no, Albrecht. he was great as the crow in the crow as the crow. I yeah. want to see that version. Oh God. That's, that's the next smack my pitch up as we do Ernie Hudson as the crow. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so moving down my list, we've got, uh, Maggie, uh, in this version is, uh, when, when our Al, this version of Alex, uh, goes running off. It's not because he's afraid because he thinks he needs backup. And the person who helped him put the machine back together, the one who helped him learn how to play the game and actually, you know, eventually learn how to win it is his girlfriend. So he runs back to earth to like kind of get her help because he realizes they're all outnumbered and he needs mm-hmm. somebody on his side. Uh, I wanted this one to be played by somebody who, uh, could play vulnerable, but still incredibly smart. And that when she's ready to kick ass, she will punch you in the face. So I went with Ellen Wong. Ellen Wong. She was in Scott Pilgrim. She was Knives Chow. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah, so she's another Edgar Wright veteran. So would have no problem actually knowing how to work with that director, which I always appreciate getting those kind of casting. Yeah. And I I don't even know what she looks like now. Um, I mean, pretty much the same. The same, yeah. yeah, (laughs) Just not blue highlights. (laughs) Uh, she's also worked with action blocking and stuff from right. Scott Pilgrim, so uh, it wouldn't be hard to get. Well, I mean, they're starfighters, so there's yeah. not a whole lot of that. But And in this version, I wanted uh, her and uh, the Centauri character to kind of have a side quest going on while uh, Alex is up in space. I haven't quite, you know, nailed that down, but I want her, wanted her to have a more active role than what was happening in the original. Um, and instead of going with uh, uh, focusing on Lewis, 
uh, uh, giving this version of Alex a little brother to look after or to worry about. I wanted to go the opposite way and have him worry about his grandma. So, okay. so instead, uh, you know, you know, the original movie, uh, Maggie was worried about her grandma uh, leaving her behind at the end of the movie. So I want to give Alex his grandma to worry about. Um, and that's the reason why he didn't want to go in the first place or why he's worried about like, okay, taking off and rebuilding the star league at the end. Um, but I wanted somebody who like you, you could see, you know, him being doting over and he wants, he, he wants to help her out. But in the end, when she says, I can take care of my damn self, you believe it. So I went with CCH Pounder. CCH Pounder. I, she was Amanda Waller in the in the uh, Justice League cartoons. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. and, and kind of looks Amanda Waller. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, she way more than the actress that not a bad actress that they got casted for Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad, but they could have easily just used the actress that has been the voice of Amanda Waller. CCH Pounder is one of those actresses who like her voice very much works uh, for any thing that she wants to do because mm -hmm. she just has that presence. Of course, my personal favorite uh, Amanda Waller is still and always will be Pam Greer from Smallville. But, yes. You know, I'd, 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 I'd accept Pam Greer as grandma too. But yeah, before there was uh, Edris Elba, there was Pam Greer where it's like, whatever she wants to do, just let, just her, let her, let her do whatever the hell she wants to do. She wants to do seven seasons of a lesbian TV series. Please. Yep. Let's absolutely. do this. Why not? Let's make it happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, going down, uh, and I mentioned before that like the one who uh, actually gave this version of Alex, uh, the, the original box, uh, starfighter game for him to, uh, build back together and repair and figure out how to play and all that stuff. Uh, I wanted the, that call back to the original movie. So it's going to be Lewis Rogan all grown up is the one who's pretty much handing out the Excalibur test for Centauri in okay. this version. And I wanted somebody who uh, could still play that like fast and loose, uh, uh, very excited kid, but all grown up. So I went with Neil Patrick Harris. Okay. Yes. Well, and again, that's one of those actors who's like any, anywhere you want to cast him. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. Is that yeah. a, I, and, but I think that for any version that I do with this, you need to get, bring back Craig Saifun who did the original score and mm -hmm. get him to just expand on it because like I said, that fanfare. It's so many trumpets. So many, so many <laughs> so trumpets. Many trumpets. That might be the name of this episode is so many trumpets. So many trumpets. All right. My uh my casting, I just went really silly with okay. mine. Um I usually do just weird. Um, this is definitely weird, but it's comedy, like full on comedy right. version of it. And no better to do that. Well, now my thought process for this is that okay. this is one of those movies like we discussed at the beginning of this episode, that much like Harry Potter or the matrix or, you know, any number of movies where there's somebody that feels like they're kind of a loser. They feel out of place. They feel like they're meant for something better, but they're not sure what. And then they were plucked out of nothingness to become this champion for everyone. Mm -hmm. And there's a director that every single one of his movies pretty much has that trope, but instead of, you know, saving the world or saving a wizard school or, you know, uh, any number of like really important things, it's a fat guy getting a hot girlfriend. <laughs> that's that's the, the yeah. like the I meant for something better like dating Catherine Heigl. You know, like that's that's the important. So pixels. So pixels. Yes. <sighs> oh, that movie. Oh. Um, why did I? Why did I hurt myself like that? I'm of course talking Judd Apatow. Of course. Uh, that is, that is his modus operandi. Oh yeah. He now, can execute fair, that. He's 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 a chubby dude that 
married a hot girl. So that's yeah. what he knows. And yeah, no, no, write what you know. Yeah, and so he just went with it and just got uh, Seth Rogen laid a lot in movies, uh, apparently. So that's one way to do it. Yep. So Judd Apatow doing that. We're these are all actors that you're very well aware of um, right. running down so because I, Judd Apatow only knows how to cast his friends. Yeah, basically, and that is very apparent in my cast listing here. Good. So from Alex Rogan, the the goofiest of the bunch, I decided to go with Christopher Mintz Plus. So I'm pulling yes. from the kickass, uh, yes. the kickass <laughs> movies as well for my Alex. No, I love it. I love it already. Yeah. So he's just gonna be super McLovin, but with. More, yeah, more, more now with twenty percent more McLovin. Yeah, <laughs> what I love about him is that he plays the nerd as the one where he's trying to prevent people from realizing how nerdy he is, but he's really bad at it. Yes, and that's what's so charming about the character is that he knows he's a nerd, mm-hmm. he, but he thinks he can hide it. Yeah, and he one hundred percent cannot. Like it's so ingrained in his personality right. that it's impossible. So I think that would be really fun to play with. Grig, who would be his like kind of uh more uh sullen, I guess. Not sullen isn't the right word, but mm. like definitely not as goofy right. um pilot friend mm-hmm. um in lots of makeup. I thought Martin Starr would be a fun choice for that. He was the one that got pink eye in uh in knocked up. Um yep. yeah. he was yeah. in Freaks and Geeks and right. um and Undeclared and he's been in like all the Apatow things. Yeah. And uh, he was actually the teacher in Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Yeah. yeah as well. Then down to Lewis, the brother. Mm-hmm. I figured because Judd Apatow's directing it, he's going to cast one of his kids. So Iris, the younger one yeah. uh, of his kids. Uh, so we're making Lewis, uh, Louise. Right. And there you go. Little or Lewis. Who fucking cares? A, a little gender flip never hurt nobody. Actually, I'm super into gender flips um, when it doesn't affect the... Well... Like, Rule 63 care. much? Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> if it doesn't affect the plot in any way, then who cares? That's kind of my opinion on it. Um, True enough. If it affects the plot, then sure. That's why I went with my first one. Like, if You find out that the hero isn't the dude you've been following this whole time. Yeah. I think it's a good, uh, I think oh, it's a good twist. Then uh, moving on to Centauri, the teacher. Mm-hmm. I really want to see what Dave Keckner can do with that role. Uh, he was the cowboy uh, sports a guy in Anchorman, he was oh. he was the uh, oh. alcoholic oh. Uh, salesperson in the office. Oh, uh, he's been in everything. He was in uh, Waiting, I think. Yeah, as well. no, no, that that that's a guy who's a little big for that role. He's he's it's a big that's a that's big a big actor. That's a well, that's some personality on that that stretches out off the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just thought it would be kind of interesting to see what he would do with Christopher oh, yeah. Mintz-Ploss as his student. Uh, he would, Get it together, son! Just utterly terrify this. And also seeing the size of them, the oh, size yeah. difference, would be super fun to see on screen. Of just this, like, it's like this, this giant man. I could just see him uh, in a scene trying to sell Christopher Mintz to the Rylands. Right? This is a bat. This is a warrior. This warrior. is a killer of children. And just Christopher Mintz Plus like puts up one hand and just does like a little like flappy <laughs> wave at the crew. <laughs> It'd be fucking amazing. I can't. Okay, I can't, I'm sold. Yeah, I'm okay. sold on this right, now. Right. Next one up is Zer, the bad guy, and uh, somebody that has played with the tropes of a person playing video games mm-hmm. and uh, ends up becoming the chosen one and is picked up to do stuff is the person that created Future Man along with his writing partner, <laughs> when Seth Rogen 
as oh, <laughs> as you, you don't get to see him in many villainous roles. And I think he would have so much fun with that yeah, role. Absolutely, he would be like, "Wait, I get to choose way more scenery, don't I?" Like, yeah, yeah, all right, go, yeah. Go, go for just it, just do it, just be a fucking asshole. Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Future Man, the tropes in Future Man are one hundred percent so Last Starfighter that it's actually mentioned in the series. Wow. We're like, so Last Starfighter, I don't know what you're referencing. The people from the future that just mm-hmm. have no idea about this movie. He's like, yeah, this is basically the plot for The Last Starfighter is that I beat the game. You came from the future to recruit me to be your savior. <laughs> it's one. It's the same, it's plot, the same plot as Last Starfighter. So yeah. I thought it'd be fun to pull him in as the villain. Uh, next up is Maggie. I wanted Maggie to be a hard ass. That's okay. a pretty common trope in most of the uh, Judd Apatow movies is that yeah. hard-ass women that will not take any fucking gruff. And to a point where they're borderline either like bitches, quote-unquote, or just women that aren't going to take any shit from the soft men that like... And I don't mean soft in the like not masculine. I mean in the like they have no idea what they're doing with their lives. They're not doing shit. Like they're just, I don't know. I'm going to take mushrooms. I don't know. Yeah, a kind of woman who's not going to call you daddy. Yeah. Exa- oh, damn it. No. Um, <laughs> so I figured an actress that uh, when she was much younger was in a Jabba Apatow movie as a daughter. Um, mm-hmm. All, all grown up and I love her to death uh, mm-hmm. even though she's in a terrible TV series. Cat mm. uh, Dennings. Oh Yeah. 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 I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yes, yes. Yes. She's pretty great. Fantastic. And she also has great comedic timing. Uh, she was the, that what you appreciates about yes, her? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's what I appreciates about the Cat Dennings is uh, she's got the cr- great comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Two of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, great. I mean, just so much comedic timing. timing. <laughs> so much timing. Like well formed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Her I have comedic a, timing, timing. All right. I, 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 I steered into in that sweater. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Endurian. God damn it. Endurian <laughs> is the last one, the leader. Uh-huh. And uh, with all this rigmarole, I'm taking the cue from uh, Knocked Up, where they got Harold Ramis to come in as mm-hmm. the dad. Right. Um, in Knocked Up. And I'm taking another Ghostbuster here. Uh, mm. And I'm sure Judd Apatow is going to have no problem working with one Bill Murray. If. You could get him to show up to set. Uh, yeah. That's the thing is you'd have to leave a message on his answering machine, apparently, and just hope he shows up. Well, if it's anything like the original movie, you only need him for one scene. Yeah, so like, he'll be amazing for that. In, we'll give you a million bucks. You pop in. You do like a, a day part. Uh, in yeah. my day part, it's like literally like you do one scene maybe mm-hmm. five times. We pick the funniest, and then you go home. Right. Just richer. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think it's possible. I think you have a lot of fun with that role. And I just want to... Honestly, if you can just get Mill Murray in every movie, I would be happy. No, that's definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, because Bill Murray. There is a great documentary about Bill Murray right now on Netflix about the Bill Murray stories, the no one will ever believe you stories. Yeah. And uh, I have a book about that that's actually referenced in the documentary called The Tao of Bill Murray. Yep. That talks about all these stories that people have. And the only stories that are included in the book are ones that are somewhat verified, where it's relatively they're relatively sure they're true. Oh yeah. So I would thoroughly suggest that, uh, we are getting towards the end here before we get into our trailers. We got one more thing we got to do, which is talking about mashups. All right. I think, I think we both hit on the same mashup idea, um, while coming up with this. Okay. I'm pretty sure. 
Tell me if I'm wrong on this one. Okay. Battlestar Galactica. Absolutely. Yep, 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 yep. That's definitely. It would be such a good fit, especially with the betas. You can make yeah. an entire thing about like maybe post Battlestar where like they've come to just find a, a usefulness for each other or right. something, you know? I mean, I, I was thinking darker, honestly. Okay. Um, you, you had that moment of talking about well, the Kodan one and the Star League has been just broken up into pieces. Well, maybe the betas are, are the ones who are angry about this. Okay. And they're the ones who are getting the most aggressive with fighting back against the Kodan. And because they're artificial, they can just build more and more and more and more of them. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go dark. Yeah, no shit. If we're, if we're going to bring, especially if you're doing the reboot uh, Battlestar Galactica, you, you, you have to do gritty and dark. I just wanted to mash up so I could see Edward James almost again. That's it. I mean, I I'm I'll take that on. I mean, anyway. I would have him as Endurian all day. Like, damn right. Yeah, he yeah. would do a damn good job. Um, my mashup, yes, Battlestar, and pretty much for very similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, betas being the main focus there on absolutely. That Another one that I thought of during the episode is uh, Turbo Kid. The story of Turbo Kid is basically there's this big robot war that happens, right? Uh, and this is like the post-apocalyptic landscape of Earth. So you could have this like space epic battle you're just, you're just gonna work that movie into the next like, seven literally, episodes aren't literally you literally everything that yeah. i can yeah but yeah this could be like earth after everything falls apart i could i could dig that yeah absolutely uh the other one that i thought would be fun is uh ender's game uh which was brought yeah, up obvious earlier. like parallels yeah it's with a super it. big parallel so yeah. um that would that would be a pretty easy tie-in um I, I went kind of like, well when you're talking about there's this big galactic war going on you got to talk about uh is it all happening in space? No, obviously. There's going to be some some land fighting, right? So my idea was you got to mix it in with some universal soldier, maybe a little bit of Starship Troopers. <laughs> it's like, let's get crazy with this. Uh, I mean, the Kodan are supposed to be, you know, something very big and terrifying. And all we ever saw of them are just, you know, brown dudes in red suits. Like, yeah. what what's really scary about them? Well, maybe they they've got monsters in those big ships of theirs that they drop yeah, onto planets. That is true. Okay, I dig it. Yeah. All right now, uh, this is this is where you should be getting uh, nervous. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm not. I, I was saying this earlier. I'm not a big trailers guy, so uh, I'm I'm more in the line of like a teaser. Um, okay. And you, I, I I'm I'm not sure how well this is going to work, but I I have this image of like the original Starfighters logo, right? Okay. That 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 ship patch that he wears on the on the sleeve of his of his uh, flight jacket. And it's lit up like a neon sign and it's flickering on and off like it's broken. Mm-hmm. And you hear that original call like uh, from Centauri, like the original audio from the first movie uh, playing sort of distorted as it's flickering on and off. All right. So that's okay. that's the visual that you need to have when you're picturing this this trailer. Okay. All right. All right. Now, um, let, let's get some music playing. Uh, okay. So you have uh, some proper background music. So let me get that going. In a world where heroes get forgotten, when war has come to the edge, when the last hero stands, you will be recruited to defend the Star League against the forces of Zor and the Kodan Armada. Greetings, Starfighter. 
Nice. That that is definitely a teaser, but like I I dig it. I yeah. dig it. And you got nice little notes with the music and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I dig it. I also realized when you said, you know, join and Starfighter and everything that we missed the mashup with Starship Troopers. We one hundred percent could do Starship Troopers as a uh, as a tie in. That uh, I'm, I feel mad about yeah. the fact we didn't bring that up at first. I, I did Universal Soldier Starship Troopers. Oh, you did say Starship. Yeah. I heard Universal Soldier, and then I was yeah. probably just mulling over uh, yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. a starfighter. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> right. That linguistic journey. <laughs> or just like that that commercial that he did where he's on the two Mack trucks doing the splits, but it's just on the, on the gunships doing the splits. In space. I would pay to see that. I would pay to see that. <laughs> Even if it just is totally out of tone with the rest of the movie, just Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits on the wings of some gunships in space. Little, Done. Little round helmet. Whole deal. Made the movie right there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fuck up mine for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, that's my modus operandi most of the time anyway. So fuck it. I'm doing my serious one. Okay. Which again takes place uh, about thirty-five years after the initial one. So, right. So, or thirty-five years past the war, I would right. say that we remember from the original. This is a kind of a reboot, but kind of a remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, same characters though. So here we go. Um, and I didn't prepare anything, so this is gonna suck. Here we go. Roll. A war ravaged universe. In need of a hero, a rebellion on its last legs. Entire civilizations under the foot of the Kodan Empire. Only Jay Baruchel can save them. Coming this May, Jay Baruchel is a poor video game barcade that works at Bartari, in a small town where he picks up dishes and Plays video games after close, and one night, there's stuff, he, he plays the games, he plays the games, and they, they win, he wins it, and it's like, really important, and a, uh, alien comes down, and it's like, yo, you, you are now our, you're God, now, God, you're in charge, we're gonna, you're gonna fight our bad guys. Starring Jovian Wayne from from Doom, wow, uh, from Doom Patrol, and Noah Shap from Stranger Things, featuring Tony Shalhoub as Centauri and Ian McKellen as Endurian. This May, the War in the Star comes go, comes home. Press start. I felt like I was in a Rick and Morty episode. Oh my God. I was about to say it too. <laughs> I, I do like the press start at the end though. That yeah, was good. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was good. But yeah, I realized how, like, I should have prepared better. Yeah. That was a, uh... that, that was, that, yeah. <laughs> that was some interdimensional cable moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much. <laughs> that was a Terry flap moment. I think is a, uh, <laughs> that's technically called. Uh, so that oh, is the episode God. of Smack My Pitch Up. Uh, we uh, we talked about our stupid ideas. I hope you enjoyed at least some of them. If you didn't, definitely share on social media what you think would be good casting choices for The Last Starfighter. In addition, if you have ideas for new episodes of Smack My Pitch Up in the future, uh, let us know. We're always super down to hear what you guys want to hear. I mean, I have fun with all of these episodes, so it's not going to hurt my feelings to 
use one of your suggestions on a new episode. If he'll let me on, he'll let anybody on this show. I mean, basically, at this point, I'm just going to go find, like, uh, uh, housing uh, limited people. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't. Is there a specific term for hobos? Homeless. Just homeless? <laughs> is it still homeless? Okay, cool, checking. Don't worry, um, they're probably vets, too. Oh. 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 I'm oh. not going to make fun of that. Um, <laughs> I know where the line is. Um, uh, yeah, so... We are definitely having a lot of fun doing new episodes. And remember, I want to ingrain this into your heads. We are doing a live show at GalaxyCon at the end of May, May 31st through June 2nd. We are doing a live show. As we get the uh, the times and everything available, that will come up on our event page that you can find on the Smack My Pitch Up page on Facebook. If you just look up Pitch Smacked, you can find that. Uh, or Geeks Under the Influence or Geek Father or Beautiful Disasters or any of the Geeks Under the Influence Network shows that will be appearing at GalaxyCon, you can find the event page uh, through our Facebook pages. Also on the front page at GUIPodcast.com. So join the conversation. Hit us up at GeeksUnderTheInfluence at gmail.com or send us a voicemail or text message at 804-505-4GUI. That's 804-505-4484 with uh, questions, comments, concerns, or ideas uh, for things in the near future. Or always... to tell Hobbit how much of a big old daddy he is. Oh, uh, no. Uh, let's not maybe do that. That would be... Uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't care either way. Um, great. Yeah. Lost my flow entirely on that. I am Mike the Hobbit. You just got pitched. GUIPodcast.com <laughs>put on your party pants geeks because on may 31st through june 2nd geeks under the influence network is doing it live come out to galaxy con at the richmond convention center to see geeks under the influence smack my pitch up beautiful disasters and geek father doing a live recording of their shows in addition i will be on a panel called adventures in podcasting telling you how to get in and started on your very own podcast There is plenty more in store coming from Geeks Under the Influence, so definitely stay tuned to our social media and GUIPodcast.com for more information. We have an event page on Facebook. If you look up the Smack My Pitch Up, Geek Father, Geeks Under the Influence, or Beautiful Disasters page on Facebook, you can find the event there or links on the homepage at GUIPodcast.com. Come out and join us or die live. This is Mike the Hobbit, direct from Fallout on a trivia night, telling you to come here every first and third Monday for trivia between 8 and 10, 25-cent wings, drink specials, prizes, and tons of really inappropriate trivia. It's a lot of fun. Do you guys agree? (laughs) Definitely come out and enjoy trivia every first and third Monday at Fallout.